This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earning can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust member FDIC. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 444 with Nancy Jane Smith. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 444. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Nancy Jane Smith is a licensed professional counselor and trainer. She graduated with a BA in psychology and a master's of science in counseling and higher education from the University of Dayton. With 13 years in private practice and more than 20 years working as a counselor and coach, Nancy has established herself as an expert in high-functioning anxiety. Combining her years of research, countless hours working with clients, and firsthand experience in her own life, Nancy developed the happier approach a three-step system to help you get motivated to accomplish your goals and to be kind to yourself. Really, it is possible. Nancy is the creator and the host of the Happier Approach podcast, and she's written three books on living happier, most notably the Happier Approach, be kind to yourself, feel happier, and still accomplish your goals. I was so excited to talk to Nancy because I definitely, definitely relate to being someone who has high-functioning anxiety. I'm that go-getter, high achiever, 
who is always putting pressure on myself to do the next thing and has a hard time resting and relaxing. And you're going to hear us dive into all of this in this conversation. So I love what Nancy's doing. I loved this conversation. I felt it to be extremely valuable. And I also, one of the things I asked her off the air, which I want to make sure you all know, is I asked her how she works with people because she has her book, she has her podcast, which are amazing resources, but she also does work with people one-on-one and she can do that remotely. And her, basically she has a program called Coach in a Pocket where she coaches you virtually. And she's basically your coach in a pocket, which means that she meets you once a month for a virtual session. And then you get to connect with her 24 seven via Voxer. So you can always have her in your back pocket, always have her with you on the go. It's really important to her that she's able to connect with her clients when they're in those high anxiety moments. And she knows that that's not something that you can schedule. You don't get to schedule when your anxiety shows up, right? So she's doing really cool things in terms of how she's able to work with clients, meet them where they're at and really support them through hard times, challenging times and anxious times. So listen in to hear Nancy share what is high functioning anxiety and why is it harmful and insidious? She's going to talk about the signs of chronic anxiety and high-functioning anxiety. She's going to talk about why positive thinking and gratitude can actually be harmful to people with high-functioning anxiety. She's going to share why people with high-functioning anxiety need different rules around checking social media, email, and news, etc. And this is going to actually blow your mind if you are someone who manages anxiety. This is going to give you permission in new ways that I think might be really, really helpful. Nancy has some really great tips and practical steps that you can take to better manage stress, better manage anxiety, especially in these times right now, but really anytime for anyone who relates to being a high achiever, a go, go, go kind of person who struggles to relax, who struggles to like lay on the couch, go on vacation and really feel present on vacation. This is for you. So there's so many great nuggets in here. I can't wait to share Nancy Jane with you. I know you're going to learn something. Get ready to take some notes and help me welcome Nancy Jane Smith to the Shameless Mom Academy. Nancy Jane, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. This is going to be fun. And I'll warn our listeners that I already pretty much thinking this is just going to be therapy for me. (laughs) As soon as I saw your request to come on the show, I was like, oh, she wants to talk about high functioning anxiety. I was like, sign me up. Let's go. I don't need to know anything more. So so I appreciate you coming on. I think this is going to be a really interesting conversation. And I keep letting people know kind of as we're recording right now, because I think it's relevant that people know we are recording during COVID. So for my family, we're week six of quarantine or week six of being home. And what about you? And where are you? I forgot to ask you. I'm in Columbus, Ohio. And we were pretty I don't know. I honestly don't know what week we are. I know I started the week before because I had a really bad cold. Mm. So I am a week ahead of everybody in Ohio. Um, So it was March 8th when I went into quarantine. Okay. I actually just today saw someone on Facebook post the date that their family went into quarantine. I hadn't really like memorized our date or what or noted our date. So I was like, Oh, they were like two days ahead of me. So now I know our date. So I'm like, Okay, March 13th. Got it. (laughs) So I feel like these are the dates that we will remember for the rest of our lives now. So because you're in Washington, right? Yes. Yeah. So you guys were really early. Yeah, we were really early. Yeah. 
It's been fascinating because the things that initially, like when they were talking about closing schools for two weeks or and closing restaurants, or like closing anything for two weeks, we were like, how will we manage? And then it went from two weeks to six weeks. And we were like, holy cow. And now we're like, oh, it's going to be months. Like, And it's crazy how your thinking adapts. Like two weeks was so overwhelming initially. And now we're like, oh, six months of no school. Cool. Got it. Yeah, it is fascinating. It's a really, really interesting time. So outside of that, I want to know a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Well, since I'm trapped in my home, that does limit. (laughs) (laughs) It limits the excitement. (laughs) But, you know, we were talking before the show, we're very fortunate. I mean, fortunate, unfortunate, depending on your, but right now it's fortunate. We don't have, we're not homeschooling any little ones. So it's just my husband and we have two cats and a dog. And so they are making, helping me stay sane through this whole time. And so my list of things that are exciting me right now, one is my podcast, which I just love this modality. And so my podcast is been something I've been really diving a lot into during this time, which has been a lot of fun. And doing these interviews is always fun. And then it's really just the simple things right now, you know, like having a good book that I'm looking forward to reading or when the sun is actually shining outside. Yes. Those are the things that are, you know, kind of giving me the excitement right now. So what is, I guess, a positive is that everything has slowed down so much that we're able to see more details than before, you know? Yeah, it is interesting, the things that we're noticing. And I keep talking about like looking for the magic because you will find the magic if you look for it. But you do have to like actively (laughs) look for it. You do have to notice like, oh, the sun is shining today. Let's take advantage. Or yes, there is a great show on tonight or a book I've been looking forward to having time to read, etc. So yeah, it's those little things that, you know, I'm trying to hold on to for sure. Yeah. Yes. Remind me the name of your pot or and share with our audience the name of your podcast. The name of my podcast is called The Happier Approach. Okay, The Happier Approach. I knew that because that's also your book, right? Yes, exactly. A nice consistency there. And how long have you had your podcast? Podcast has gone through a couple iterations. So I've been, I called it my garage band podcast. So the first hundred episodes were just me riffing for 10 minutes about whatever was on my mind and just like this casual thing. And then when we, I hit, episode 101, I took it legit and changed the name to The Happier Approach and and got a production group that helps me and so got interviews and kind of upped my game. So very nice. It's podcasting is a ton of fun, also a ton of work, but it's really great to have that freedom. And I think for me, it's been such an outlet in different phases of my life and including right now in the middle of a pandemic, um, a different outlet to be able to connect in really, really special ways. Yes, totally. Okay, so your area of expertise centers around high functioning anxiety. And I talk openly on the show about this being something that I definitely identify with. And I'm really excited to talk about this today. And I also think that I tend to attract high functioning anxious people because we attract people who are like us, right? Oh, totally. Yes. So as soon as I started talking about anxiety on the show, all of these other moms were like, oh my gosh, yes, like that's me. I totally get it. And so I want you to talk a little bit about what is high functioning anxiety? Why is it less spoken about? And then we'll talk a little bit more about kind of how it shows up and why it's harmful and insidious, maybe even especially during this unique time. Yeah, definitely. So if you think about 
anxiety, you know, and we kind of all have a mental image of what anxiety is that that hopped up feeling of stress and the the feeling unsure and feeling doubt that we can react to that feeling through having symptoms that are high functioning or through having symptoms that are low functioning. And I don't mean that in a one is better than the other, you know, culturally, we'll say that high functioning is better, but it's not. And that's why it is harmful, because the traits of someone with high functioning are really valued by society. So someone that has high functioning anxiety, when they are feeling anxious, they're going to fight and push and keep going. And they're going to go it alone. They're going to pretend they're okay. They're going to achieve more. So they hit a challenge and they just push even harder. And someone that has low functioning anxiety, when they hit anxiety, they may go more passive and may tend to have more panic attacks, more hiding out type behaviors. And you can probably see those two reactions to anxiety right now very much. Yes, totally. out, Yeah. (laughs) And a lot of times it's in our partners, you know, that we've picked someone that has an opposite reaction to anxiety. Because right now, everyone is feeling acute anxiety. You know, there is something that's stressful and creating anxiety, and we're all feeling it. But for those of us that have chronic anxiety, that's the ongoing day-to-day anxiety that I'm talking about. Not just something bad is happening in the world and I'm feeling anxious, but the ongoing something's off in my system. The other thing with high-functioning anxiety people is they tend to have a very, very loud inner critic. So their anxiety is really rooted around shame and insecurity, not doing it right, self-doubt, those kind of messages. And can you talk a little bit about what I think this will be interesting for people who maybe haven't been able to identify this in themselves, but do struggle with this and for people who know people who struggle with anxiety. Can you talk about what kind of symptoms of chronic anxiety look like? So it's funny, you know, when I, um, I've worked with anxiety for years, you know, I'm a licensed professional counselor. And I always thought I, you know, I always be like, I have anxiety, like kind of a casual mention of it. But I never really understood how my anxiety was playing out until I found this high functioning anxiety terminology and started really studying it more. And it was Sarah Wilson wrote a book, How to Make the Beast Beautiful, which is an incredible book on anxiety. And you could totally tell it was written by someone with anxiety. It's <laughs> the way she writes it and tends to jump all over the place. <laughs> Interesting. And she has very strong anxiety and bipolar. And so it wasn't so much that I related to what she was talking about, but I did relate to how she was, she high functioned through it, meaning she would pretend everything was fine. She would push it all down, suck it up, keep moving forward. And so it doesn't, you may not recognize if you are a perfectionist, if you're someone that really engages in procrastination, if you're someone that is constantly mind reading, doing people pleasing to keep everyone happy to keep that self down. Those are some common signs of people that have high functioning anxiety. And it's this constant feeling inside of you that you're just not enough. And if you keep doing more, you will cover that feeling up. And so it's just let me keep achieving and pushing. And eventually you realize that it's kind of like this bottomless pit that you're kind of trying to focus on, you know, run away from and that that underneath that bottomless pit is anxiety. And 
that's why I kept trying to heal my perfectionism and my people pleasing. And then it wasn't until I started healing my anxiety that those that recognizing those were just symptoms of something underneath. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. Mm, That makes so much sense. I actually, the way that I finally identified that I had been managing anxiety in different ways my entire life, I went to a doctor for sleep and she asked me, her specific question was, how long have you been hypervigilant? Yes. 
when she said that, I was almost like annoyed and defensive. I was like, what do you mean hypervigilant? And then I could link back all of these times to my life. And she wanted to know specifically around sleep. Like, how long have you been trying to sleep with one eye open? Which is basically like me never feeling like I could relax enough to go to sleep because something might happen and I might be needed. <laughs> so I could link it back very clearly to when I was eight years old. Like that's when it started. And it looked like different things, you know, throughout my life. But when she put this word hypervigilance out there, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so what this is. And I, to your point, I had been like, oh, it's just perfectionism and it's high achievement and like all these other things. But I was like, no, it's hypervigilance around weird things that other people are not hypervigilant about. Exactly. Yes. But like where you're like, oh, that's just like, I think my friends, especially my college roommates were like, oh, Sarah's just a little quirky in that way. Like she worries about weird things. And it was always just kind of a joke, which I thought was funny, too. I'm like, I know no one else worries about burglars the way that I do or all sorts of different things. But as soon as I made that connection, I was like, holy cow, this has been lifelong chronic. And yeah, we started putting together the pieces to like, oh, this is like part of a bigger picture that I've never been able to connect the dots around. And also that was very freeing to connect the dots to be like, oh, this is what this is. Oh, yeah. The number of people that after listening to my podcast will contact me and be like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Thank you. You know, I finally figured it out. Yeah. I think you touched on this a little bit. Why is high functioning anxiety less spoken about? You mentioned that this is because it looks like high achievement. It's praised and looked upon positively by society. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I had a client who said to me, my whole life, I just thought I was, everyone kept saying to me, oh, you're type A and you're a high achiever. But what she goes, finally, when you said to me, this is anxiety, I was like, oh, I can treat that. I can do something about that. And that it's so hidden because it's so praised. The coping mechanisms are so praised in from the get go, you get good grades. You're a leader in you know high school, then you're a leader in college, and you graduated with honors, and on and on and on and on and on. And so we learn, I'm not going to share with anyone what's underneath here. I'm just going to keep going because this is working for me until it stops working for us and it becomes very overwhelming. All of that anxiety just kind of builds and you know, insomnia, it comes out in other physical symptoms. And so many of my clients don't even, you know, take like you have to get run over by a Mack truck before you'll actually pay attention to the symptoms. And I have a lot of clients who have like daydreaming about getting hit or getting in an accident so they can go to the hospital and rest because oh they're so tired of pushing, you know. I'm laughing at that because I had three summers ago and two summers ago, so a year apart, I had to have two surgeries. Neither of them were like huge, but both required a couple days of laying on the couch on pain medication. And both times I was like, this is the most amazing day of my life. <laughs> and after the second year of doing this, I was like, how do I have a surgery every summer so that I can lay on the couch for two days? But it was this realization of like this permission to let go, let down, totally relax, being like medically ordered to just lay and do nothing and wa but watch TV. And I joked about it, but I was like, this is also a sign. Maybe you have a hard time self-managing your need to achieve and be successful and all of that stuff. Yeah, because that's why you need to go, you know, like even if someone says, okay, I'm going to take the day off, they're so beating, they don't know what to do with the time. Yeah. You know, then they're beating themselves up because the anxiety is so high. So that's why if you go into the hospital or you're on pain meds on the couch, you, you have a out. 
Yeah. You're like, this is great. <laughs> I think that's a relatable to, you know, to a lot of mom's experiences where they're like, I just want to get the flu. Yeah. Or, you know, I just want to get like something where I can just lay. And that is a sign. Like if that is your desire, that is a sign of perhaps something that maybe you should address so that that's not your dream vacation just to get sick. Can you talk about how high functioning anxiety differs from diagnosed anxiety? Varying degrees. I mean, some people could have a generalized anxiety disorder and have it showing up as high functioning anxiety, like the symptoms are high functioning anxiety. So I work with people that have a generalized anxiety disorder, and it's showing up as high functioning anxiety. And I work with people that just, if you look at it on a continuum, you know, they're at the worried well end of the continuum and just have these high functioning anxiety symptoms. But then there are people that really have, you know, that could be diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and have more of a high functioning. That's more rare. Generalized anxiety disorder is really around, you know, you're having panic attacks, you're worrying all the time. You know, that vigilance is super strong. So most of my clients are not in that more severe diagnosable area, but there are, you know, it can go together. It sounds like maybe generalized anxiety can lend itself more to being lower functioning or maybe unable to function in certain areas of your life, whereas high functioning anxiety, you are overperforming rather than underperforming. Exactly. Okay. That's helpful. Excellent summary. Thank you. <laughs> now I'm a doctor. <laughs> so I want to know what are the common thoughts people with high functioning anxiety have on a daily basis? And I'm this is going to be like me checking boxes, but I know this is also going to be really helpful to our listeners, because I think that back to your point that you mentioned, like once you can label something, I think there's a lot of hope around reworking and finding ways to work through it and overcome it. And so I think this will be really helpful. So what are some of the common thoughts that people with high functioning anxiety might have? So there's a lot of, you know, ruminating that goes on with high functioning anxiety. So, you know, like there's a common joke on social media that comes to high functioning anxiety with texting, you know, people that I've, and I can relate to this too, you send out a text to someone and you don't get a response right away. And so you're like obsessing, like, did they get it? Did it not go through? Why are they responding? What's happening? You know, I need, do I need to call them? So some of that, like over involved in what's happening and wanting an immediate response a lot of why did I do that? Why did I have that conversation with that person? Why did I greet them like that? Like you go to a party and then you come home and you're just obsessing about every little thing you did and replaying it over and over. What are they thinking about me? How could I have done that differently? Or lots of shoulds. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I'm not doing enough of this. Adding to the to-do list. People with high-functioning anxiety love a good to-do list. They love checking it off. And, you know, really that's where they get their wins from. And then there's a lot of I'll be better when I get here. Once I get to this, then my, you know, then this will go down. Once I get there, this will go down. So they do a lot of planning for the future and trying to thinking they can self, they can ease themselves if they get to a certain place. Mm, that makes sense. All of that is relatable. <laughs> Not surprisingly, <laughs> I was able to check a few boxes there. So can you talk about, and I think this is so interesting, you mentioned this and you sent me this information and previous to us booking the interview, I thought it was so glaring and you've referenced it a little bit already. But can you talk about concepts around gratitude, positive thinking, self-compassion that actually keep people, high functioning, anxious people, anxious and depressed? 
Yeah. So the thing, and this is going to, you know, people with high functioning is I love positive thinking and gratitude. Yeah. This is what I tell people to do all the time. So I'm like, oh, she's just blown my whole business up. So thanks, Nancy. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not all terrible. No. Sometimes the way we use it can be kind of abusive because we'll say, oh, you know, wow, this is really hard right now. This COVID thing is so hard. And then the next statement is going to be, well, be grateful, you know, just be grateful. And you have a house and you have all this lovely stuff. And yeah, that's true. But I can still be when I do that, I'm ignoring what's really going on with myself. Yeah, I'm ignoring the fact that I'm struggling right now by trying to put on a pretty face. And so I and positive thinking does the same thing, you know, think positive, it'll be okay. Okay, but like, you know, this isn't going to be okay. This is going to be a while. So how do I put a smiley face on that? And so what my issue with gratitude and positive thinking and even self-compassion is it pulls us out of our actual experience. Yeah. So a great example of this was yesterday I was walking the dog, which is one of my favorite things to do. And I was woke up yesterday, you know, every day, <laughs> who knows what you're going to get during this COVID, you know, every day in COVID, right? <laughs> Who knows? And so I was having a bad day and I'm walking the dog and I'm like, you should be grateful. Look around. The sky is blue, blah, blah, blah. What can we do to fix this mood? Let's be positive. Like I go to all those things because that's just where we go. And then finally, some voice came into my head and said, wow, it's just really hard to feel like this right now. It's just really hard to feel this. And like my whole body relaxed. And I thought, it is really hard to feel like this. Like, this is hard, man. I am struggling today. And after I did that and let that just kind of wash over me for just a little bit, then I looked up at the sky and I was like, wow, it is a really beautiful sky this morning. And I could feel the gratitude and feel the blue sky and the whole thing was a different response. So it's, I'm just looking at an energetic kind of an energetic difference that we immediately are like stealing ourselves to don't go there to the negative, just think positive or be grateful instead of doing both. This is hard. And I am so grateful. I have so many blessings during this process. I'm very grateful. But that doesn't take away that it's hard. Exactly. I don't know if this is a technical term or not, or if I just made it up, but I talk about emotional bypassing. Yes. And so and I think that's what you're talking about here is and I 100% agree. And so yeah, I don't think that it's valuable. I think that it would be harmful to force positivity, force positive thinking, force gratitude at the expense of acknowledging what's actually happening. And so I totally agree that you have to be able to embrace the hard things with the good things. And I also totally agree that you have to when you see the hard things and own them, then you create this different, more authentic space for the good things and the things that feel positive and like for the gratitude to be real. Yes, exactly. And so I always just say, like, go deep, not wide, you know, so when we get in trouble with gratitude, it's like, I'm thankful for the sky, I'm thankful for the sun, I'm thankful, you know, do something I am thankful that, you know, the hug that my husband gives me in the morning and the hot coffee, and it feels so good and to do all your senses in the gratitude that you're feeling. And so you can be more immersed in it and grounded in it, rather than just have it be a list of things that I'm beating myself up that I'm not being grateful enough for. Can you talk a little more specifically about the self-compassion piece that self-compassion can lead to more anxiety and depression? 
Well, self-compassion, I have a a love-hate relationship with that word. It's so overdone. And we hear it all the time, you know, love yourself no matter what. And even as a therapist, I'm like, what does that mean, love myself no matter what? Like, I can never get the concept. Because if I love, my belief was, if I love myself no matter what, then I'm going to stop growing. Because I love myself no matter what. So there's no place to go. Right. And so that idea then became that a lot of us use self-compassion as a way to sabotage ourselves. So I'm really stressed. It's been a really stressful day. I deserve to go downstairs and get a, a cookie and, you know, a glass of wine. Oh, and then three more glasses of wine because this has been a bad day and I'm being kind to myself. This is self-compassion. And so that idea gets kind of bastardized the idea of giving myself self-compassion. And so I like to say, even though it's semantics, I realize, but it's the idea I'm going to be kind to myself. And if I'm kind to myself, does that mean that I'm going to give myself a cookie? Right. Because that may not be what I need right now. It may taste good, but that may not be what I need in the sense it may upset my stomach or whatever, not you know, not talking about fat or anything like that, just like it may not be what I need for my body. So that idea of self-compassion just really gets mucky because we have taken it to the extreme where we'll be doing something unhealthy for ourselves, saying that it's in the spirit of self-compassion. That makes so much sense. I absolutely agree. And I would also lump self-care in there. Yes. I think we, a lot of what we do under the guise of quote unquote, self care is also the examples that you gave are very clearly numbing behaviors. And I think that self care and self compassion are not necessarily numbing. And that's not actually giving ourselves anything that's a gift. And I think sometimes self compassion and self care are actually hard, like it's getting up early and working out that's self care and self compassion. It's not like immediate gratification. And I think that's where the confusion comes in. Yes, because even like the other morning, you know, my usually our cats wake us up and wake me up. And so the I had my husband get up with the cats and the dog and I slept in. And then as I was laying there, I just my anxiety was just spinning. And I was like, this is not self care for me to be sleeping in right now. Like I need to get up out of bed and do something because I'm just going to lay here and spin myself to death, you know? Oh, my gosh. I love this example because my husband can totally sleep in. And I sometimes on the weekend will be like, oh, hmm, must be nice. Must be nice that you slept until 9am. And he's like, well, if you want to sleep till 9am, like I'll get up, you know, one of the mornings with our son. And I'm like, no, because the reality is I would just be laying in bed really anxious. <laughs> I just want to make you feel bad, but I don't actually want to sleep. In. <laughs> I want to sleep till like 715. <laughs> so, exactly. Yes. <laughs> that's so interesting. And, you know, I'm curious around, I've had this realization around vacation for me in the last two years. So for the last, probably for the last two years or so, I've had these really big goals around like, we're going to go on vacation and I'm going to try to not check in on anything. I'm going to be really unplugged. And I will tell you, it has created so much anxiety for me that I decided on our last big vacation that that was no longer the goal, that the goal was like, I'm going to give myself, you know, 20 minutes a day or whatever the th allotment was to check in on things and ease my mind that everything's fine without me. And then I can go enjoy my day of vacation. And I'm curious, what are your thoughts on that? Because I think that there's, I think that we can sometimes push ourselves to like unplug or do things that we think will ease our mind or sleep in or things that many people would think would be relaxing, but they're actually not it for a person with high functioning anxiety. 
Yes. I'm like nodding like a crazy person over here. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for saying that. That is so true. You know, I just was talking with a client the other day and she like, she's like in the morning, I get so stressed and she's like about work and blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, every morning, the first thing I do when I get up, which is against all experts, is I check my email. First thing, I'm not even downstairs before I'm checking my email because it relaxes me to know what's on deck, what's happening. And then I can put my phone away and do my morning and be okay and go to my office when it's time. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. This episode is supported by Nutrafol. Did you know that hair thinning will happen to approximately one in two women? If you're among them, you are not alone. Thinning hair is normal, but it's not openly talked about, so it can feel lonely and frustrating and sometimes even embarrassing when you're going through it yourself. Join the over one million people who are doing something about their thinning hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement with over one million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. Oh my gosh, I am a heavy shedder, so if you are a heavy heavy shedder, or if you are someone who's wanting to thicken your hair, I definitely want you to try out Nutrafol. I have loved using it myself, and I know multiple other people who've used it and have found great results. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplement for six months. To get started, you can take their hair quiz on Nutrafol.com, which will give you a personalized health plan based on your special root causes. Nutrafol is committed to helping you identify root causes of any shedding or hair loss so that you can really start to rebuild healthy hair in a way that is customized to you. So take the first steps to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code SHAMELESS. Find out why 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Go to Nutrafol.com. That's N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code SHAMELESS. Nutrafol.com, code SHAMELESS. But I think we need to be honest with ourselves of we are the ones that know, you know, my whole business is about building self-loyalty because that's how you ease anxiety. If you can trust yourself to say, you know what, this is what works for me. If I check in 20 minutes a day on vacation, I have a better vacation. 
great, do that. But we end up shaming ourselves for the fact that we need to do that and we're too high strung and what's our problem and why can't we just disconnect instead of saying, you know what, I know myself and I know this is how I do it best. And so I'm going to do that. And it's such an interesting paradox because I know for me, I was, you know, one of our a vacation we went on a year, about a year ago, and I was like, I'm going to not check email or social media for nine days. And it felt like that would be such an achievement. So as a high achiever, I was like, I'm all in on this. And then it was awful. <laughs> I was like, I can't win. Like if I go and check things that I haven't met the goal, but if I do it, it's causing anxiety. Like there's no way to win this. And I was like, this is to your point. Like we really have to know what works for us and build, you know, create rules or plans and action steps that work for that, that support the way our brains work, I think. Yeah, because it's also, you know, one way that social media works to our detriment is that vigilance piece. So I know, like, right uh, after, you know, the COVID thing happened, like, all my clients were just obsessing about Twitter and just checking it all the time. And so when you notice yourself going into vigilance on social media or email, that's when it's time to you know, to take a step back. But that only comes when you know yourself and you're paying attention to how does this feel when I'm doing this? And when I'm checking email in the morning, it feels good. Yeah, I love that you are making this point that this is so counterculture, counter to what we're taught or told, and that it's okay for us to have rules for ourselves that are that maybe don't work for everyone else, or maybe aren't what's most typically recommended, and that that's okay. Yes, absolutely. Because I think it's all about accepting what you need. You know, I had a client who was like talking about vacation and how she gets so stressed about packing and doing it right. And I said, you have to own that that's how you're wired. Yeah. And because what we do is we have the anxiety on how we're wired, and then we beat ourselves up for it. And so it becomes this double layered thing that just takes off. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about treatment and, you know, helping one's high functioning anxiety in ways because I think that there's a lot of beauty in like owning it, embracing it and letting it work for you instead of trying to like over instead of trying to ignore it. Or like I said, you know, not check email on vacation for nine days. (laughs) So like, what's the happy medium to where we're like doing things that work versus fully letting anxiety run the show or trying to, you know, not ever check email in the morning. Right. Okay. So then that takes me into, into my book and the the three voices that are in our heads. Yes. Tell us about the voices. <laughs> da, da, da. So the voices, so I came up with the voice idea because, so we have the monger, which I call it the monger and that's your inner critic. And I call it a monger because it is a voice of monger is a voice of propaganda. And so our monger is a voice of propaganda and she means, well, she's not evil or a bitch. She's just there to kind of keep us safe and protected. So I always say she, you know, don't be vulnerable. Don't take any risks. Don't stand out and don't make a mistake. Those are the rules of the monger. And so if you break any of those rules, which if you're going to do anything in your life and achieve anything, you're going to break those rules. She's going to come after you with belittling and shame. And so for a lot of us, we live in that voice of the monger. And we don't recognize that that voice of belittling and shame isn't actually us, that it's a separate voice. Like we just hear that voice and we believe especially those of us with high functioning anxiety, that we need that voice or we won't get anything done. So my favorite story of that is I had a friend of mine who is very much high functioning anxiety and I was doing a presentation on the monger and she comes up to me afterward and she's like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. I totally have a monger. She's really loud. She runs the show, but I'm totally not getting rid of her because I need her. Like I can't, I'll just lay on the couch and eat bonbons. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, I, she's right. That's how I feel too. Like I totally agreed with her. <laughs> Even though I was helping people get rid of their mongers, I was still, you know, feeling I needed one. And so that's why I did the research on the book and kind of started exploring that. And so I came up with the three characters, the monger, and then we have the place we go, which is the BFF. And I named that because high school and you have your BFF. And she's that fun voice of you can do no wrong. You are amazing. And I'm going to sabotage you when I get the chance. So she's the go ahead, have that third glass of wine or the go ahead, have the cupcake or gosh, that girl, she is such a bitch. Look what she's doing. She's doing it so much better than us. What a bitch. So she's that super judgy. I got your back. Do whatever you want character. And for me, for a long time. I just danced between these two characters. So when the monger would get too loud, I would jump to the BFF and just be like, screw it and do whatever I wanted. And then the monger would get me back in line. This is so interesting. And that is where I think anxiety lives, fighting between those two characters. You know, get up off the couch. No, I don't want to do it. You know, back and forth. So then everyone always talks about, you know, the wise voice. And that was what I struggled with, that wise voice. <laughs> And so I call, similar to the wise voice, I call that voice the biggest fan because she is going to hold my feet to the fire like the monger does, but speak to me with kindness the way the BFF does. So she's going to say, hey, you know, we really need to write this podcast episode. We said we were going to. It's due today. You know, let's get moving. And I'll sit down to write it. And my monger will be like, you're a loser. No one wants to hear this. Who do you think you are? You can't do this. And so my BFF steps up to be like, well, let's just go downstairs and watch a TV show. Let's just take a little break. And it's my biggest fan that steps in to say, hey, we made a deal. Get your butt in the seat. You're going to do it for 10 minutes and see where it leaves you. And so that voice is just kind, but she pushes me. And so a lot of my work is first helping people recognize when their monger and their BFF are chatting. And then I used to spend a ton of work on like naming the monger and drawing a picture of it and all this stuff on that voice. But then I finally realized we got to be developing the biggest fan and that's the voice that isn't developed. So much of my work is helping clients develop that voice. Oh, I love it. Can you talk through a little bit about how we develop our biggest fan? So the first step in developing that biggest fan is to really acknowledge what's going on. So I have like this three-step system that I encourage people to go through when they're hearing their monger attack. And the first step is acknowledging your feelings because those of us with high-functioning anxiety don't like to acknowledge our feelings because they get in the way. And so a lot of our anxiety is an unnamed feeling. So I might be feeling sad and I'll say to myself, that's stupid. Why are you feeling sad? You have nothing to feel sad about. Be grateful. You have so many blessings. You shouldn't be feeling sad. That's silly. And just like when I was talking about taking the walk and it wasn't until I said, wow, this is really hard to feel this, you know, crappy right now. That was just acknowledging what's really going on, acknowledging that feeling. And then I tell people to slow down and get into their body. And that is more than just taking a breath, more than just, you know, rolling your back. It is standing up, doing something physical, a full body movement so that you remember that you have a body and you're not just a walking head. 
because so often we're so stuck in what's the next thing I have to do that we forget that we have a body. So I've acknowledged what I'm feeling. I got into my body and then I can pull back and see a bigger picture. And so I can notice that there's more happening than just the black and white. Our mongers love to have us be like there's a right way and a wrong way and constantly telling us there's only one way and we have to figure it out. And so being able to pull back and see a bigger picture on, oh, what are the options here? What are the different ways I can see this situation? That makes a ton of sense. Oh my gosh, this is so interesting because I think that we, anyone who has any struggle with anxiety, I think can relate to these three different characters and how we fluctuate between all three. And I also think that at different phases in our life and different seasons in our life, we probably find one of them sitting on our shoulder more often. And I also am curious if you find that like in contextually, so maybe like at home, people are more able to, you know, tap into their biggest fan, but in the work environment, they much more strongly connect with their monger. Do you find that it's, it can be situational like that? Oh, definitely. Yes, absolutely. And so our risk right now with COVID, I'm curious, what are you seeing right now with your clients in COVID? Like, is there a shift in terms of being able to access the biggest fan versus the monger and the BFF right now? Unfortunately, right now, most of my clients are just, I mean, like the monger is running amok. She's everywhere and is very loud. And so a lot of my clients are doing what I've been naming it turtling, Mm. just head down, shell on, taking care of business, doing their thing, and not so much like reaching out for help with even to family or friends, you know, they're not really expressing what's going on with them. And a lot of times that's, you know, people don't really know how much anxiety they have. And so now that it's coming out more, it's causing some, you know, just like what the hell's going on and that makes your monger louder. And so it's a pretty vicious cycle that's happening. I will say that I found this time to be a little bit comforting. This is going to be like one of my weird neurotic thoughts, but this time has been comforting because in some ways seeing that the whole rest of the world is experiencing the anxiety that I'm, and so I actually talked about this in an interview, I think it was last week, but I said, you know, I've been waking up with a knot in my stomach every day for as long as I can remember. And now the whole rest of the world is doing it. I'm like, I kind of feel at peace with this. Like, <laughs> finally, people get what how my life has been. Yeah, because when it first happened, you know, and it's been interesting to see the progression when it first happened, I had so many clients be like, this is what I was made for. I was made to do this. Yes. Oh my gosh. I've totally said that. And achieving and how do I do the home and how do I get the kids set up and how do I, you know, and now, you know, as we talked about before we started recording that, you know, we're looking at months that this may continue on. And, and so that's where people are kind of like, wait a minute, you know, <laughs> it was not made for this. And so that has shifted some of the you know, and definitely, again, one thing that people with high functioning anxiety like is to know what's the right way. What's the right thing I should be doing right now? And no one knows that. And that is causing a lot of anxiety too, to be like, oh, there isn't one right way to do any of this. And that is a little, you know, anxiety provoking. Super interesting. I have one question that we haven't touched on at all, but I'm curious what your research has shown you. Do women more than men suffer from struggle with high functioning anxiety. That's my what I found to be true. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And could you do you have any speculations as to why? I already have my own ideas, but I'm curious if you have any. This is just me riffing. I think some of it is, you know, just societal pressures. Yeah. And what has been putting on women. I've just started reading 
why we can't sleep at night, I think it's called. And it's about Gen X women and why we are having midlife crises. And it's super fascinating because it's saying how we are the first generation that was raised in the feminist movement, like immersed from birth, that women can do it all. And now we're seeing the repercussions of it because the men have not come along with us. Right. And so women are doing everything. Yeah. And I think, you know, that whole emotional load, women carry the mental load. And I think that contributes a lot to this. Yes, I totally agree. Yeah, I think there's, I mean, I could also trace it back to the patriarchy, which I think is connected to what you just said. But totally, that's exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's super, super interesting, because I don't, and I also find that like, men in my life, my husband included, they're like, I want to be supportive, like, I don't understand. And it's been interesting, my husband actually has had a little bit of insomnia in the last couple of years. And the first few times it happened, I could not be even a little bit sympathetic. I was like, dude, like <laughs> this has been my entire life. And he'd be like, I only got four hours of sleep last night. I'm like, four hours? That is a good night. I don't even want to hear about it. And so I've had to like really check myself because he doesn't. I think that it's just not even a relatable experience for men to understand some of the burden and where this anxiety kind of comes from and the insidiousness of it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Super interesting. Oh my gosh, Nancy, this has been really helpful. I hope people have enjoyed my own therapy session with you. But I also think that we've gotten to dive into a lot of different aspects of this that I think will help women and moms identify parts of their identity, maybe that they haven't been able to label or embrace or connect to, and then find some safety and security around this. Yeah, absolutely. So where can people find you? Where can they get your resources and connect with you? My website is live-happier.com. And my podcast is The Happier Approach Podcast. And my book is called The Happier Approach, which is available on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. And I've been blogging since 2009. Oh, my gosh. There's tons of resources on my website. You could you know, spend days reading through my blog and 130-some podcast episodes. So I love it. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so we will have everything linked up in the show notes. So people can go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Nancy Jane Smith, and get all of these resources. Thank you for being here, Nancy. Thank you for everything that you've shed a light on today. I really, really appreciate it. I think it's so timely given what we're going through. Um, So I'm just really, really grateful for you. Thank you. This was awesome. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. 
Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.